0: So we'll uh, pray for Gary before he shares God's Word with us this morning. Yeah, let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you so much for your presence with us. Lord, we thank you for our presence with each other, Lord. It's it's so good to be together. So good to worship together, so good to share together, to pray together. Support each other, Lord, and and we, we love your Word, Lord God. We love your Word And we pray, Lord, today that you would speak to us afresh, that you would say something that is transformational. We thank you for Gary, Lord God, so much, and Jill, and uh, they're a great blessing to us. And uh, we do pray that you bless them and their family. And Gary now as he shares your word with us, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you very much. Okay. If you've got a Bible with you, please uh, switch it on or open it up. Um, We are in the book of Acts, chapter 12, and we're going to read the Bible this morning. We're going to read loads and loads of the Bible this morning. We're going to read 23 verses of the Bible this morning. Here we go. Acts, chapter 12, verse 1. If you haven't got a Bible, just close your eyes and, and let your mind, don't fall asleep, but just let your mind drift off to, just imagine the, the lights are coming down in the cinema and, and my voice is projecting images up onto the screen and you're going to enjoy a really good story because this is a fantastic story. This is, uh, this is another of the uh, Jesus meets Peter stories. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the Apostle James, that's John's brother, killed with a sword. And when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. And then he imprisoned him placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. You know, things happen when churches pray. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate, and suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. And the angel struck him on the side to awaken him, and said, quick, get up! And the chains fell off his wrist, And then the angel told him, Gittress, put your sandals on. And he did. Now, put on your coat. I think Peter might be sleeping in the nude, but um, let's carry on. And he did. Now, put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell, following the angel. But all the time, he thought it was a vision. He didn't realise it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts and, and came to the iron gate leading to the city and this opened for them all by itself. And so they passed through and started walking down the street and then suddenly the angel left him. Peter finally came to his senses. Whoa, it's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. And when he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everybody... Peter's standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. But when she insisted, they decided, well, it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter, (laughs) please let me in. Peter continued knocking. And when they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to keep quiet and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what's happened, he said. And then he went to another place. And at dawn, there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him. And when he couldn't be found, Herod interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. Afterward, Herod left Judea to stay in Caesarea for a while. Now Herod was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, so they sent a delegation to make peace with him because their cities were dependent upon Herod's country for food. And the delegates won the support of Blastus, Herod's personal assistant, and an appointment with Herod was granted And when the day arrived, Herod put on his royal robes, sat on his throne and made a speech to them. The people gave him a great ovation, shouting, This is the voice of a God, not of a man. Instantly, an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to God. So he was consumed with worms and died we had to get to verse 23, because the idea of Hera being consumed with worms is just such a glorious thing to think about on this Sunday morning. This message is called The Great Escape. You'll have seen that on Facebook. And already, you're humming the theme tune, aren't you? You're humming the theme tune. All of you of a certain age and those that watch England football matches are now humming the theme tune. We've just heard how Peter is banged up, chained to guards, doors slammed, shut to keep him in, and then how one night he finds himself knocking on the door of Mark's mum's house and begging a slightly dopey servant to let him in. But we hear that theme tune in our heads. You want to join in? Apparently not. That's enough. And our minds, when we hear that theme tune, our minds go to a Stalag in Germany, 1943, in which all of the most troublesome allied prisoners of war are being held together in one super high-security, escape-proof place. Steve McQueen is there. James Garner is there. Richard Attenborough is there. That's David's brother. Donald Pleasance is there. They'd all managed to get themselves locked away. Are there, any, are there any German people here this morning? I'd say it's not going to make a massive difference. It's just I want to know who to be embarrassed by by this accent. <laughs> the Germans say to the prisoners, Accept your fate. <laughs> Let us all set out the war quietly here. You don't try to escape. We will go easy on you. That was vaguely German, wasn't it? I think it got slightly, uh, slightly Spanish towards the end, but anyway. The commandant is then reminded that, I'm sorry, sir, it is the sworn duty of all upstanding Allied troops to, to try to escape no, no, it is, it is the duty of all troops to escape. So, every Englishman and Scotsman and Welshman and Irishman, and I believe we even have a couple of Antipodean cousins here, we will all be trying to escape. And this begins a tense cat and mouse game of escape plots and escape plot discoveries. And each prisoner brings their unique skills. Each is the master of their particular clandestine profession. To quote the IMDB synopsis, which is the Bible on all things to do with film, Lieutenant Colin Blythe is the forger of the group and works on fake ID papers, while the Aussie Sedgwick creates amazing tools from scrap metal scavenged around the camp. Lieutenant Eric Ashley Pitt, with a uh, 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 yeah, has. Uh, Figured out a way to get rid of all the dirt they're bringing up out of the tunnels. Hundreds of other men help out in other ways. Some scavenge wood from unused beds. Other men march and sing, making noise to drown out the sounds made by the men um, uh, making equipment and digging. Weeks of planning, meticulous preparations, dollops of courage and daring do, and Steve McQueen... On a Triumph made to look like a BMW. That is a great escape. Contrast Peter's great escape. Preceeing slightly, Peter's lines during the movie of his great escape would be, Night, fellas. Hope you don't snore. Oh, well, you, you what? Hold on, I'll find my shoes. You you what? I thought I was supposed to be Oh no, don't worry. You what? Whoa, that's Mark's mum's house. Where'd he go? Let me in Peter. No, Peter, P-E-T-E, where's she gone? See, Peter's wasn't so much a great escape as a great deliverance. And there is a massive difference between an escape and a deliverance. This is the take-home point today. It's not about what we do, it's about what God does through us, and with us, and sometimes to us. Peter makes no decisions, he makes no plans, he has no ideas, he has no control in the process, he has no agency. He recognises an angel sent by God. He says at one time, I think this is all a vision. I I think this is all all just, I don't know what's going on, but it feels like God. And when he does that, his main contribution is to spot that God is doing something and try and keep up. That's, that is, that's Peter's role in this story. God's doing something, I'm going to try and keep up. And this is, this is a recurring Bible theme. Moses leading the, the people of God across the Red Sea and out of Egypt is a great deliverance. It's not a great escape. I mean, they had to do some planning there to get some stuff ready. But it was God that decided they were going. It was God that made the way possible. It was God that, that delivered them. When the Israelites celebrated the Passover and, and remembered this story, they weren't remembering the cunning of Moses. They were remembering the deliverance of God. And when we think of this story now, We acknowledge the part of Moses. He was an awesome man of faith. He was a man of action. He was vital to the success of the venture. But the glory goes to God. And in today's story, Peter is not pointless. I mean, I might have have made him out to be a bit of a dope there. (laughs) Peter wasn't a dope. Rhoda was a dope. Peter wasn't a dope. Peter is not pointless. God didn't go to the trouble of delivering him to freedom because he was worthless. He was a great man of God. He was a man of courage and energy. And, and God had got him down as the, as the first major leader of the Christian church. if we we go back through the traditions of the Roman Catholic Church, we get to the first pope, Peter. He He was the guy preaching on the day of Pentecost. It was Peter's quality as an apostle that had got him locked up in the first place. So God... Miraculously delivered an awesome man. But it was God who delivered the awesome man. It's not about what we do, it's about what God does through us. Getting back to the story again for a bit. We read on a little bit further than often preachers would read. Because what happens to Herod Antipas, I mean, he caused the problem in the first place, and what happens to him is very, very relevant to what we're thinking about this morning. I want to see what happens to him. The whole Peter in prison thing starts because Herod, insecure like many rulers are, has hit on a scheme to keep himself in power. I mean, who would think that these days sometimes people do strange things to try and keep hold of power? There is nothing new under the sun. Herod Antipas is feeling vulnerable. And he has imprisoned and executed the Apostle James. And this has gone down very well with the population. They've been, we don't, we don't particularly know why, but they think this is wonderful. And they're cheering on the streets. So Herod's gone, oh, that worked. Let's do that again. If it worked once, it's bound to work twice. So Herod decides to repeat the trick with Peter. He wants to hear the adulation of the people. He wants to hear the the cheers on the street again. And in verse 21, we see inside his court, we see some people from from Tyre and Sidon have arrived to, to parley. And Herod Puts on his king robe and he sits on his king chair and he makes a speech and the people are, are wowed and they say it's the voice of a god and not of a man. I mean, if you're an insecure ruler, you really want to hear this kind of stuff. That is that is great. I think if finally somebody recognises me for who I am. And Herod has a a split second to make a choice am I going to put them right or am I going to receive that Steve McQueen let's get back to him and the motorbike you know when he does that jump at the end of the film wasn't him. Sorry to destroy all of your... It wasn't him, it was a stuntman. He wanted to do it, but the insurers wouldn't let him. And Steve McQueen was always clear in interviews that it was not me. And he always gave the name of the guy that had actually done the jump he wouldn't take the credit for something he hadn't done even when the world wanted to believe it was him he had a moment where an interviewer said what did that feel like what did that feel like revving that triumph going up that that field and he said, don't know, it wasn't me. He had a moment where he could, have, he could have taken the glory, but he decided not to. Herod had a moment where he could, he could take the glory or he could say, hold on a minute, I'm not a god. But Herod has reached the point where he truly believes it's all about him. He truly believes that he is a God rather than a man. And what happens? Within a verse, he's being eaten by worms. Go the worms. See, it's not about us. It's not about what we do. Even if we're really popular, it's about what God does through us. Isaac had a moment this morning. He had a split second to decide. Somebody started a chorus here. This was not in my plan. This was not on my playlist. We've been slaving over this all week. We've we've got every start, every beat. We've got it. We've got it down to a T. And he had a he had a, a split second to decide. What do I do? Well, I think he made the right decision, because he's got the skill to be able to go. These are keys, right? What happens if I press some of these buttons? No, let's not. Isaac's got the skill to be able to to, to, to pick up a different tune immediately. I mean that is that's a that's a talent. You know, that's ten thousand hours of practice. That's a talent to be able to do that. But the greater talent is the one that says, This is not about me and my plans. This is about what God's doing this morning. Because it's not about us. It's about what God's doing through us. So, how do we apply this to us today? What are the lessons? Lesson number one it's God that does the delivering. That's lesson number one. Lesson number two God really doesn't like arrogance. That's lesson number two. God really does not like arrogance. Lesson number three God delivers people he needs. Lesson number four God really doesn't like arrogance. Lesson number five. I'm going to break the rules of preaching now and introduce a new, a new thought in the summary. All young preachers don't ever do this. It's against the rules. But this is a grown-up church, right? This is not Sunday school, is it? This is a grown-up church where we can face Sometimes difficult questions that arise in the Bible. Difficult thoughts, awkward thoughts. God didn't deliver James. God doesn't deliver every good person every time, there's no guarantees except salvation. Lesson number six, God really doesn't like arrogance. Lesson number seven, it's not about what we do. It's about what God does through us. So, stay stay humble, make yourself useful, and learn how to ride a motorbike. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for, for your... We your, thank you for the great stories of the Bible. We thank you for all of these stories we've looked at over the recent weeks about how how Peter has come face to face with you and what he's learned and how he's responded. And we've learned things as well, and, and hopefully we will respond. We thank you, Lord, that you delivered Peter to go on to do great things for you. We thank you, Lord, that you can deliver, that you can open uh, a, 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 a jail, that you can, you can that chains are of no consequence to you, locked doors are of no consequence to you. Perhaps there is somebody here today who needs to hear that in a very practical, literal sense. Prisons are of no consequence to you when you want to deliver somebody And thank you, Lord, for the examples we see of, of the people around us who faced with the opportunity to, 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 to be arrogant or to submit to your will. Submit to your will and allow what you're doing in a place to, to flourish and to prosper and to continue and to be fruitful. We well, Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you will give us opportunities this week to, to put the teachings of this story into practice, to, to use what we have learned and to be closer to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen.